Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ, and welcome to the audio ministry of Christ Church of Livingston County. The following are three excerpts from a Covenant Renewal worship service led by Pastor Dirk DeWinkle, teaching elder at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. The uh, call to confession is actually from Romans 8.13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The Christian life is a life that should be marked by love. Jesus taught us that our greatest calling was to love God with all that we are and to love our neighbor as ourselves. He also said, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We are even commanded to love our enemies and to bless those who curse us. Paul teaches us that the greatest of all things that a Christian should possess and demonstrate in life is love. But there is one thing we as Christians should not love. There is an enemy that we all must hate. Sin is the great enemy of our souls. It is the great enemy of the church. It is the enemy of the beauty of holiness. It does not matter how sin presents itself. It may be sin committed, sin hidden, sin redefined, sin tolerated, or sin excused. However the sin comes, it will always bring destruction and death. The sin in our lives, the sin in the church, the sin in the world must be hated. Hated to the point of winding it dead. This passage from Romans commands us to put sin to death so that we can live. John Owen spoke of Romans 8.13 this way. Do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it while you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. The Christian life is a life that should be marked by love, but is also a life that is marked by fighting, a fight against sin. It is a fight unto the death. We fight until we die, or we die spiritually if we stop fighting. But in this fight, we are not alone. The work of mortification, the work of killing the deeds of the body, is not a work we can ever do by our own power, our own authority. Remember what the verse says, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. The Holy Spirit gives us eyes to recognize our sin. He stirs in our heart a hatred of it. In Him alone is the desire to turn away from sin, and in Him alone is the strength to do so. Let us then, as the people of the one true and holy God, be haters of sin. Let us strive with the Spirit to put our misdeeds to death. And let us now, having been reminded of our sin, confess it to him who bore our sins on the cross. If you are willing and able, please kneel with me as we confess our sins to God. So let's just have a brief opening prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, Father. It's a, it's a holy word. It's true. It came from you. You who know the past. You were in the past when there was nothing there. You were there. Father, you know the, the present, and you know what's going to happen in the future. You're the only one who can know all of that, Father, and we praise you. And because of that, Father, you've given us great truths to stand on, eternal truths. We thank you. May, may the precious Holy Spirit take your word and reveal it to us. We pray for your anointing to be upon it, Father, in Jesus' name. 
And everybody said, Amen. 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 If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, turn to uh, uh, the, the Old Testament book of, of Isaiah, chapter 43. Isaiah 43. My translation says, and, and it, it says this in Isaiah 43, 1. But now this is what the Lord says. Who's saying this? The Lord. The Lord's saying this. Well, what is Isaiah doing then? Is Isaiah saying, this is what, what the Lord said to me and I'm saying it to you? Or is he saying, this is what the Lord said and I'm just copying it down? I believe that's the meaning here. Because, friends, if you want to do an interesting Bible study... Get your Bible and start at about chapter 40 of Isaiah and go down to about chapter 45 and count the times in there it says, this is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. And then check out in, under that what it says the Lord says. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that God tells us in that he gives us information that only he knows. Only he knows. You know, there are some things about yourself that nobody knows unless you tell them. No, oh, the Lord knows them, but nobody else will. And, you, and we need to share some good things about ourselves. That's, that's a witness to the Lord. What he's, sometimes we need to just brag on the Lord what he's done in our life. And, and sometimes we need to open up so there can be real fellowship, so people get to know us. And this is saying, I believe with all my heart, 29 times I counted where he said, this is what the Lord says. In some of those things, he tells us, who he is. He tells us what he's like. He tells us what he did when there was nobody else around but him. Way back in the beginning. Nobody else was there to record that. He tells us what he did. He tells us what he's doing now. And then in the, he says, and I even tell you the future. I tell you things that have not happened yet. And, and we can read in the book of Revelation things that God says are going to happen. We don't know. We can't date. Some people try to date everything in there. Don't try. You're going to go, you're going to go bunkers. Not only that, God didn't give us all the dates and exactly when they were going to happen. But I'll tell you this. God says they're going to happen. And when he says something's going to happen, you know, it's going to happen. So he tells us things in the future only he knows about. Wow, that is great. So now, now, okay, not only that, look, look just across the page, <clears throat> pardon me, across the page at chapter, uh, uh, chapter 43, uh, verse 10 and 11, the last of that, God is still speaking. This is what the Lord says. He says, before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. You read that? He said, there's no other God before me, and there won't be one after me. He says in verse 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no salvation. 
That's what the Lord says. Now, we know that, but a lot of times we've been told that by other people. And we kind of say, yeah, yeah, that's old hat. No, that's not old hat. This is what God says. That's God speaking. He says, I'm the only one. If you read through those next verses, you're going to find nine times that God says, I am the only one like me. There is no other. I am God. Every time you read in the book, in, in, in the Bible about God or God's, if it's small g, that means this God, it's God is an idol or, or it, it's someone that is called God, but it's not Jehovah. When you read about our God in any of his, his titles, Jehovah God, it'll be capitalized with an L or with a G. And you read all of this, this is what the Lord says in 43.1, that is capitalized, Lord, that means our God, Jehovah, the living God. And he's the only one like that. That's why when he speaks and says something, you know, we need to listen. When he says something, we need to respond. Because it's for our good that we do. Because he knows what's going on. You know, we have, we have, we have a, the kind of memory, too, that we forget. We, and so, periodically, we need to go through and we need to remind ourselves about who God is. And, and what he has done, what he is doing, what he promises to do, and what he will do in the future. And so, let's go back now to verse 43, or uh, chapter 43, verse 1. This is what the Lord says. Now, we're going to read what he said here. He, created, he who created you, Jacob, and he who formed you, Israel. He's talking to the Old Testament faithful, those individuals who were his chosen ones out of the Old Testament. He says this, he, I, I, I created you, I created you in your spiritual life, I formed you, Israel. So he's talking to people who know him, have responded to him. I believe this, just as there were chosen people in the Old Testament, there are chosen people in the New Testament. If you've come to faith in Christ, and I trust you have, you've responded to him, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, to lead you, to help you to realize that there's sin that only God can forgive. We heard a lot about that sin already. It's true. Only God can forgive it. We just push it down. And when we push it down, it's like someone who has some clothes on that are too small, and they push, it, they push some of the, the uh, inside of the, their clothing. They push it down over here. You know what? It comes up over here. And they push that bulge down here, and it comes up over here. It comes up some way. There's only one way to get rid of that bulge. That's a hard way. You know it's hard. It's a lot easier to put it on than to take it off. But with sin, there's only one way to get rid of it. That's to have God to forgive it. There's only one who can forgive it. You know that. There's only one name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. That's through the Lord Jesus. There's only one who came and, and who, who was born in such a life with God the Father and Mary his mother. That's only a one-time conception and a one-time birth in all of time. It's impossible. You know, with a smile I've often thought, I, I wish I'd have been a little 
fly on the wall when Mary came to her father. Her father was named Healy, and you're probably not aware of it, but Healy is called the father of Joseph. He was really the father-in-law of Joseph. You do some research, you'll find that's true. Healy had five daughters, no sons. So here comes one daughter and says, Dad, you better sit down. I got something to tell you. I'm going to have a baby. And his question is normally going to be, it would be your question, uh, tell me about it, what happened and who and so on. And she said, well, Dad, God did it. What would you say? What would you say? You'd say the same thing I think that Healy said. Come on, tell me the truth. She'd say, Dad, honest, honest, I, I'm telling you the truth. An angel came to me and said God was going to do this, and I was going to be highly favored, and I was going to bear his son. That's amazing. That's a miracle. Only, who can do that? Who can do that? Only the God who lived for, who never had a beginning, and who'll have no end. Only the God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, almighty, everywhere present. Only he can do that. He did. And he's the only one that could live without sin because he had a divine father and a human mother. He had all the, the, the uh, uh, human nature elements except that sin area that comes from both father and mother because he had divine nature and he had human nature, no sin nature. He lived without sin and therefore he could die on the cross for us. He's the only one. He came from the father. The father sinned. Wow. So he says, I formed you, I've created you, Jacob. I formed you in Israel through them looking ahead in faith to the cross, through, through them following through with the sacrificial offerings that was for their sins, he said, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. He bought them. He said, I bought you, you back. He's bought us back. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians 16, we read, don't you realize that the Holy Spirit lives within your body? That you've been bought with a price? You are not your own, so honor God with your body. So we're not our own. We're to honor God with our body because we are his. And you know what? You know what, people? God takes care of his people. God takes care of each one of them. God does not fail one of his children ever. He's always faithful to them. It may take some time because, you know, when we pray about something, we want it to happen right no, we don't want it to. The men, the men want it to happen right now. You women pray for something and you want it to happen yesterday or two days ago. All of us are alike. God says, trust me, I hear your prayer. And you may not get all you want, but I hear it and I'm going to honor it. And you stick with me and you don't lose faith in me because I love you. Therefore, do not fear. I've redeemed you. I've brought you back. I've summoned you by name. I've summoned you by name. Have you ever thought of the time in the Bible that God has called somebody by name? Can you think of one? 
Samuel, little Samuel, remember he was there? His mother had Samuel and, 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 and she went in to pray because she, she, she couldn't conceive. She went in to pray and she was praying and pouring out her heart. And, and Eli said, oh, she's, she's going back and forth and she was in agony. You women would understand that. She wanted to have a little baby and she couldn't. And she was pouring her heart out to God. She said, she's drunk. And he wouldn't talk to her. She said, I'm not drunk. I'm praying and that, that, that I could conceive. And God said she would. And she said, you know what, Eli? You're, you're going to see. God answered my prayer, and I'm going to send the baby back, and he'll be with you. And she did. So she sent that little guy back. She said, God, if you answer my prayer, I'll send him back, and he'll serve you forever. That was Samuel, little Samuel. Little Samuel went back, and he was with the priest. And it was at night, and he heard Samuel. And he woke up and he said, well, it must have been Eli calling me. So he went and he said, Eli, I'm here. And Eli said, yeah, I know you. Why are you here? It's the middle of the night. Go back to sleep. I didn't call you. So he went back and said, well, it must have been a dream or something, I guess. He heard Samuel again. Three times it happened. And finally, the third time, I, Eli, Eli was a little thick in the heart, really, and in the head. And he said, well, maybe it's God speaking to you, calling you by name. And if you hear your name again, say, I'm here, Lord, speak to me. He heard his name a fourth time, and God gave him a mighty message. That started out his life. Isn't that great? You know what I was thinking? Have you ever been late at night, and, and you're in a sound sleep, and you, you hear your name called? Have you had that experience? I have three or four times, and, and I thought, oh, surely, Shirley's gotten a problem. She's got some bad rheumatoid arthritis. And I don't know, I don't, I don't really want to say this, but I just have so much trouble taking care of her with all her issues and that, and her, her, uh, her rheumatoid arthritis where she can't do so much, and I have to do womanly things all the time. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We've been married 56 years and she's my precious wife. I love her, she's darling. But sometimes she would have some, some pain at night. I'd wake, I'd say, Shirley, was that you? Did you call me? No, I didn't go, I didn't call you. I'd say, oh, I must have been dreaming. That happened two or three times. And, and, and I was just doing some study one day and I thought, I wonder, I wonder if that was the Lord calling my name and I didn't recognize him. I wonder. I'd like to think that's what happened. But then I think, man, I blew it. <laughs> I didn't answer him. He had a message for me and I didn't get it. Maybe it was and maybe it wasn't, but I'll tell you this. God knows your name, every one of them, us here. And not only only here, he knows the name of every individual. And every person who knows him personally by faith, you know, he doesn't have palms, but Jesus said he writes the name of every believer on the palm of his hand. We're written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He doesn't miss anybody. And you can read through where not only did God call people by name, he had conversations with them. Think of Saul of Tarsus, who was blinded. Think of Peter, who, who, who was that, that, that Jewish uh, uh, one 
who, who obeyed all the Jewish laws, and, and there was a change, there, there was a change in pattern coming, and he had trouble accepting it, and so God lent down a big, 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 big uh, um, watcha-jigger with all kind of animals and things on it, a big net, a big net, and he says, and he said to Peter, Peter, rise and eat. Peter said, not me. I've never eaten that stuff in all my life, and I'm not going to now. And God said, rise and eat. And Peter said, not me, Lord. Those things are clean. And he said, Peter, what I've called clean and made clean, don't you say unclean. Eat. But there's a conversation. Have you ever had a conversation with God? I trust you have. I trust your, your, that he's helped you to know his voice. He's the only one who can help you to know his voice. But just as he taught little, little um, Samuel, he'll teach you. I said to him one time, I said, Lord, I have people who call me on the phone and they don't tell me their name. That's a, that's a pet peeve I have. Because we've been around a lot. We've we got people all over the place. And, and they don't tell me their name, and, I, and so I, I, I got to fake it and say, oh, yeah, 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 let's talk a little bit, I'm saying. Finally, something comes out, and I say, oh, I know who they are. Sometimes I don't. But I recognize the names of other people. They don't have to tell me. I said, Lord, would you help me to recognize your voice just as I recognize the voice of some of my friends? And I know who they are without them telling me. Will you teach me that, Lord? And I've never heard God speak verbally, but he's helped me to understand his voice. And many times he's let me know that he knows I know that it's him. And because he, know, he knows that I know that it's him, I can't wiggle around it and get away from it. One time he said to me, Marv, he said, you know what I want you to do and you're not doing it? You keep praying about it. You don't need to pray anymore. You know what I want you to do. You're hedging and you're hesitating. Now quit praying and do what I want you to do. He knew I was stalling. He wouldn't let me get away with it. That's the kind of God. You see, God wants the best for us. He wants us to know him on the same level of him knowing us. And that's why he said, do not fear, I've redeemed you, I've summoned you by name, you're mine. Then he says, he gives them three great truths. He said, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. Now, who was it that passed through the waters that would need that, that it already happened? But they needed that promise. Remember the children of Israel at the Red Sea? Remember they got to the sea and it was blocking them and God had said to Moses, just raise your staff and raise your hand and I'm going to open up the Red Sea and you're going to walk through on dry land. And he did. He sent an east wind and it blew back this side, blew back this side, and, and, and kids, all of God's people walk through that water was all all just bound up now only God could do that now there's some people that don't believe he did it then I want to say how they get across not only that the Bible says they walk through on dry ground and I was thinking now wait a minute 
That land's been underwater all that time. It wasn't dry, it was mud. And then I thought, all the cattle that the children of Israel had, what would they do going through that mud? They'd have got stuck. How about all the carts they were pulling would have been stuck in that mud? And, and I thought, well, God, you pushed back the land. It's nothing to you to say, hey, hey, wind, dry up that mud for it to happen. He's God. He does things that we cannot understand and we cannot duplicate. And I'll tell you this. One time the Lord just revealed. He said, you know, there's some people that put human intelligence and IQ ahead of me. And because they can't understand or accept some miraculous things I do, they fail to believe and accept it. And the Lord said, there's some people I want to teach more about me and take them deeper in their revelation with me, but I can't because they're holding me off. You holding the Lord off? Listen. All you got to do is read some of the things he says that he's done and you say, yeah, I know that, I know that. Maybe I ought to reverse that and just because I can't understand it, not say, God, you didn't do it. I don't understand how in the book of the Revelation we can have a holy city we're going to. Do you know how high that is? The new city, the new Jerusalem? 1,400 miles high. Read it out. John says, I'm giving you this number in man's measurement, 1,400 miles. We don't have a city 1,400 miles high. That's impossible. Not in heaven. So anyway, let, let's get through this. When you pass through the waters, they'll not overcome you. When you pass through the river, I, uh, 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 um, Joshua had the children of Israel on the Jordan River and they had to cross over. And the Lord opened that up again, you remember? And Joshua said, because people have a tough time remembering this, take 12 stones and put them down there and, and, and around the river. And when we'll send people back to see those 12 stones that came out of the, the, the heart of the river and they'll know you did it. And it'll be remembered. And then when you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. Who had the struggle in the fire that you can think of in the Old Testament? Book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abeliach. Those, no, kids, it wasn't Abeliach. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was his name. And they wound up in a fiery furnace because they obeyed God and they had to resist the, the authority. And they said, God will take us out of this, but if he doesn't, that's all right, because we know this is what he's leading us to do. And the old king, after he, he put him in the fiery furnace, he looked in there and he said, well, didn't I put three guys in there? He said, there's not three, but there's four. He said, and, and you can read that back. I think it's in chapter six. No, chapter three. Chapter three of, of Daniel. He said, there's one just like the Son of God. And you know, and I thought, yeah, there's four in there because you know, you know what God says here? He, he says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. I'm the, I'm the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. And he says, 
You're precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, do not be afraid, for I am with you. The whole reading is this. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name, you're mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. I'm with you. When you pass through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. Why? Because I'm with you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Because I'm with you. Verse 3, for I'm the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And then you drop down and he says, you're precious and honored my sight and I love you. Do not be afraid for I am with you. God is saying that to you individually or corporately. He's saying that. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know that in our kind of world, we have a whole lot of big issues to face. It may be job employment. It may be some kind of a physical problem. It may be the death of a loved one and, and we're hurting. It, it just may be humongous kinds of things. And God says, whatever you go through, where is he? He is with you. If you're a believer, he is in you and he's with you. And as a church, he's with you. As a congregation, he knows you're looking for a pastor. Is this the first time you've, you've had to look? For, no, it's probably not the first time you've had to look for a new pastor. But I want to say this to you. You know, sometimes we go through something and we say, oh, man, I'm just, I, I'm the only one that's ever gone through that. We can read scripture. I don't think there's anything anybody ever goes through that they're the only one. God's been through it maybe two times. Or maybe a hundred times. Or maybe a hundred thousand times with his children. It's not new to him. And he's not biting his fingernails. And he's not worrying. I remember sometime, and I close with this. I remember sometime, I don't know what it, what it was, but I was going through something big. And I was really afraid. And the Lord said to me, he said, um, am I bigger than that, what you're going through? I said, oh, yeah. But I, I, I was saying, you know, but Lord, I'm down here alone. He said, no, you're not alone. I'm with you. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm with you. And I'm bigger than that that you're going through. Can you just trust me as being bigger than what you're going through, even though you don't know how I'm going to take you through it? Can you trust me? I said, Lord, I can trust you. You know, there was a peace that came over me and a security. Why? Because it was like he was saying to a little kid, I'm dad and I'm with you. I got you. I got your back. I'm not going to let you go. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through to the other side. And I say to you, church, the Lord's got you in his hands. He's looking out for you. He has for all these years. And he's done some amazing things in, in your presence. We were just talking, and it was with, uh, with the little guy. You prayed for him seven or eight years ago. Truman. Truman. You remember Truman, all he went through? My wife says, Truman, we prayed for you a bunch of years ago. Little Truman, how did we know? I have no idea how we, we, we knew that, except I work part-time at, uh, at uh, uh, Cornerstone Evangelical Church. I work with just older youth, <laughs> 60 and older. 
Now, we're not, we're not old. We're just getting older. You can tell us because we walk funny. But maybe we have a prayer list that goes out for our older people. And, and somebody might have brought that request. And we, so we were praying for that. And, 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 and it was mentioned. Cameron said that people all over the country were praying for him. That's God's family. That's God's family. That's how God takes care of it. We don't, listen, we don't have to worry about how he's going to do something. That's up to him. If he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Amen? And if he says he's going to watch over you and you're going to have a man after his own heart that comes, he's got him for you. You can't, you can't let Satan get in there and mess up your thinking because he's sly at that, boy. When we get down sometimes, God wants to lift us up. Satan wants to kick us when we're down. Don't believe him. So let's just have a word of prayer, okay? So, Father, we thank you for your word. We're thankful, Father, you, you assure us of your word in so many different ways. Father, we've had a dozen times already on some of the truth of who you are and your being and what you've done, Father, and what you are doing and will do. We, we, we've heard that in different scriptures, Father. It's not just in one place. It's all over your word. It's in songs. Other individuals have experienced that, and they've recorded that, and, and they've helped us to sing of, of praises to you and glory to your name, Father. They want us to rejoice because, Father, there's nothing you can't do. You said that. You said, I'm the only one like this. There's no other one like me. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. And Father, you do everything that's needed to be done, so we thank you. And Father, because of that, Lord, we, 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 I, just, I, I thank you for this people of faith here. I thank you for their confidence. I thank you. I thank you for the elders that are taking over and giving leadership here and the good job they're doing and other people on, on, the, on the piano and, and in, the, in the singing. And Father, all the little things that need to be done to get ready and all the cleanup. I thank you for the cleanup people, Father, because that's a most distasteful task. But there's people who do that every Sunday. I thank you for all of them, and I thank you that you meet with this precious people every Sunday, and you meet with them during the week where they're at, and you're using them for a witness of your grace and of the Lord Jesus. Father, accept our praise and our thanks for you, the living one who is always living and always will, always will be. Thank you. And I pray your riches of blessing upon them. So I thank you in Jesus' name who taught us to pray. Supper reminds us of the communion God desires to have with us and the sacrifice that he made to make that communion possible. There is, however, another communion that we ought to be reminded of in this meal. God created us for communion with him and also communion with one another. 1 Corinthians 10.17 says, For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Here in this meal has signified our unity in Christ. Just as we all eat from this one loaf, so also we are joined together as one body. 
one people sharing in the same mercy of God the Father, washed in the same blood of Jesus Christ, and nurtured by the one Spirit sent from heaven. Our unity in Christ is a glorious thing. It transcends all distinctions, man-made or otherwise. It breaks through all lines that we draw and boundaries that we make. It is, as Paul wrote in his letter to the Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Our unity in Christ is a glorious thing. Jesus prayed to the Father that it would be accomplished. Listen to the words of his high priestly prayer. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Our unity in Christ is a glorious thing, and here at this table we are reminded of it. Here at this table we actually celebrate it. So come to the Lord's table and be joined together as to one another in the nourishment of our Lord. Thank you for listening to these excerpts from the worship service of Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in these messages, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact Pastor Dirk DeWinkle through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.